1: Welcome to the 151st episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr., my man. How are you doing?
2: I am doing great. We got the NFL schedule released yesterday. Got a, a list of victims for my Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, my friend Dave is coming to visit me from the New York uh, tonight. That's gonna be fun. Uh, gonna watch my first Major League Baseball game this weekend. I'm just, you know, I'm just in an all-around good mood. And hey, yeah, I hey, you're gonna be in Vegas in two weeks. We're gonna see each other, right? I am. Yeah. We Oh, absolutely we are. Yeah,
1: yeah. absolutely we are. Um, yeah, we got Vegas in a couple of weeks, which is so exciting. Um, I actually have a bit of a, a fun story um, to uh, share before we start things off. So if um, – I don't know if anybody who listens to this show um, – because I know we have a few figure collectors that might be listening, like AEW figures that – like they collect the uh, figures or other wrestling uh, figures that they like to collect – Um. I recently um, came into a little bit of a. I got a paycheck coming a few a few weeks ago, and I decided, you know what, I want. Um, I decided to go to my local my local Walmart and Meyer to see if uh, how trading cards were looking because I heard that like since the pandemic and everything, it's actually easier to find trading cards than before, where they were literally you 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 couldn't find them on shelves. And I found uh, WWE Prisms, which are like the new WWE training card uh, pack in stuff that's like the new series that basically came out. They do them with baseball cards and football, and they've even got some with uh, UFC at this point right now. So I grabbed a few of those and um, ended up pulling a Green Pulsar Becky Lynch, which was numbered 16 of 25. Now, I'm not much of a collector for trading cards, but I saw this and I was like, this is a very different thing that I am not used to. And I don't list cards on eBay or anything like that. It's not a thing that I've done before, but I was like, you know what? For shits and giggles, because Becky's literally on the box of these cards, I was like, let me list it, see what happens. So I listed it at like 3 or something in the morning. I was up really late that night. Less than 20 minutes after it was up, somebody got in contact with me asking for an offer, and the first offer they made was $100. And I was like, what? What? And eventually, I actually um, – I um, ended up selling it for 160 after asking for 200 So I sold a trading card for $160, and I was like, what the fuck? I, I just couldn't – I could not believe that those cards were so sought after that someone was willing to spend that much to get it. Um, I shipped it off like a day ago, so that card is off to that person. But like I came into some extra money from that, so I bought me a couple pair of Jordans. <laughs> and uh, i got the uh, jordan 9 chili reds and then i got the new jordan 6s uh i think they're midnight navies or what they're called those are on my way on their way tomorrow i've got the fire the chi- the uh, chili reds right behind me actually so i had a really interesting week actually and it was all because of a goddamn green sparkly becky lynch card
2: yes uh that's awesome man uh It's it's like playing a scratcher and winning some money. Hopefully, you can carry that luck to Vegas. Go go to slot. Right, yeah, literally, right there. You know, yeah. I I told my friend. I'm hoping to at least do solid at blackjack. Yeah, I told my friend I was like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to pull the slot machine, win ten grand, and then immediately buy a ticket to come back for money in the bank because I really want to go to money in the bank. It's not in the financial aspects. I know y'all are not used to hearing that to me from me. I get it. But mm-hmm. it's not in my outlook, financial outlook, to make it back to Vegas for uh, money in the bank. But I would really like to be there because I just got a feeling. I feel I feel like a, a blonde-haired grandson of a plumber might be pulling down that briefcase. I just feel it in my gut. You know what I mean? I
1: I would like to I would like to see that. I think that would be very cool. I I, I
2: and I, I would like to point out to all the people the trolls that say Cody would be buried by now, that uh, Hell in a Cell uh, poster came out. and this is yep, not a, a, <laughs> uh This is not a WWE show, so this will be the last I say of it. Hell in a Cell poster came out. There's only one person on it. Uh, one. One. One person. It ain't the head of the table. It's not the tribal chief. It's not God mode himself. It's the that, that aforementioned grandson of a plumber, Cody Rhodes. He's the whole poster. The whole The whole thing. Poster. Yeah. Uh just imagine. If you imagine that poster will be coming to Floyd's house at some point. Nah, I will be purchasing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Very, very, very cool. Very cool moment. Uh, I'm sure for Cody fans, uh, to see him be the main only person on that
2: poster it's, um hopefully like, like i said his career that. in wwe continues to be great i mean hey i told people he's not stupid i imagine some most mm. most of this stuff is in writing you know what i mean <laughs> it's like right you know you can't you can't leave it up to the whims of the old man you have to uh, be smart about it but again yeah not a wwe show just happy for my happy for my favorite wwe wrestler
1: Absolutely, as you should be. But we've got a lot to be talking about with this week's episode of All Things Elite. Of course, we're recording this actually Friday night, so we will have um, up-to-date Rampage news uh, because we pushed it back a day. So we will have the results not only from Dynamite from this week, but also Rampage and then we'll give a good little preview of the upcoming Dynamite. Before we get into everything, though, we want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review, and if you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way to support us is by following us on social media. On Twitter, we are at AT atelitepod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows. Those they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And the big news of the week for AEW is the fact that we have begun both tournaments for the Owen Hart Memorial Cup. Both the men's and the women's tournaments began this week on Dynamite, and we also had another match take place in the tournament on Rampage, which we also got an update as well for one of the first-round matches, which we'll get to when we get into Rampage. But this tournament has shown to be uh, a massive thing that will most likely be – it's going to be capping off at uh, Double or Nothing, which I'm very excited for because, honestly, I've just – I love the tournaments that AEW puts on. I love wrestling tournaments in general. When they're done and they're really important They and they are treated with importance – um, it's always just fun because you get to see matches that you don't normally get to see and like obviously the story is easy to understand. They want to move on in the tournament they want to win whatever the tournament uh, final prize is. so i've I've been enjoying the Owen Hart Memorial Cup. I am very excited to see who the hell the two jokers are as my two cats currently just fly all over the place behind behind me right now but i think uh, so far since we've had everyone qualify the 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 field has been really interesting and very cool for both for both tournaments in fact
2: yes uh i love this I've, i've compared the owen cup to the new japan cup uh that happens every year i believe like it's like right after uh wrestle kingdom it's like february march they do the new japan cup and the winner gets a world title shot and it just feels like this it has that same energy that this has that same type of New Japan Cup energy. Uh, every match matters. The participants really, really want to win. Uh, you know, I, I, there's some stuff that New Japan does that I'd like to see AEW Do, do. Uh, uh, they did a uh, New Japan does a press conference. And it has, like, all the people from the New Japan Cup, all the people from Best of Super Juniors, uh, and, uh, you know, the G1. And, you know, they kind of talk about wanting to win it. So I'd like to see that, like, done on, like, YouTube with personality profiles. And then you have, you know, like, you know, you know, you have the experts. You bring an expert uh, and like have them break it down as in who they think is going to win and why they think they're going to win. I just, like... You know, almost treat it like the March Madness thing. And then I'd like to see, like, you do the first round. Like, I would like to see the whole first round done this week. And then the second round done next week, like, all at the same time. So, at the end on Friday, you can have a breakdown of everything that happened in the first round and look at the matchups going towards the second round. You get what I mean? Just really just build up
1: yeah no it absolutely it, it it just it's very simple to understand yeah so it's yeah it's very like, simple to understand and very easy to get it built it up
2: yeah and you're just building up each round you bring in like medusa and she's breaking down all the women so you know somebody you know veterans bret hart maybe do it for the men medusa do, does it for the women break down who they think's gonna win why you know that kind of thing so i mean i do love the tournament all the time i just feel like in a way they could have made it just like A little bigger.
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think no one does a tournament like New Japan at this point. Like they just they do tournaments like on a completely other level.
2: Oh, absolutely. And it's just like, and I'm basically just saying steal from New Japan. That's what I'm saying in essence. (laughs) That's like steal one.
1: You're collaborating. You're (laughs) collaborating with them already. Might as well just steal one of their things that they do really well.
2: Yeah, and you know, and if you wanted to have a couple New Japan. now again, the New Japan thing with the Forbidden Door. First time it's happening is in June. Now I'm just saying next year, if you want to have a couple New Japan people in the actual tournament, I'm not talking about like in their qualifying matches, but like, in the tournament. I think that I add to it too. And I am big on next year being a 16 person tournament.
1: I, I'd imagine so. I mean, like we've already had talks with Tony Khan, already saying that like the belts are like. In already either made or in progress of being made for the trios belts? Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, I'm expecting a lot of trios matches, especially with all the groups that we have. I'm expecting a lot in the upcoming months in AEW. Yeah,
2: we're definitely building up a couple trios, big trios matches. I th- I think, like, a trios match is going to be one of the big main matches at uh, Double or Nothing. So, well, we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, I'm very excited about the Owen Heart Cup. I love how they profiled one of my favorite wrestlers, Dax Harwood, uh, a lot when it comes to it, and how much it means to him. So, yeah, so let me tell you, I got to give a shout-out to TK. They did a great job, great job of thinking me, making me think he might win. They did a great yeah, job. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, again, apologies if you hear running around. My cats are going Bonkers playing around back behind me, but um, speaking of, yeah, speaking of Dax Harwood though, we'll get right into the dynamite in uh taking place in the supposed most magical place in the world, Long Island, New York. We opened up with the for, with the first round qualifier, ma- with the first round quarterfinals match between Adam Cole Baybay and Dax Harwood. Mrs. Uh, Martha Hart was up in the rafters watching the show and watching these matches, and um, yeah, there was so much great reasonable doubt they were giving you of like Dax getting the upset win over Adam Cole and moving forward in this tournament that he cares so so much on but unfortunately um despite that Dax had some damaged ribs during the match and um unfortunately that was not able to uh it was it was an issue it was something that uh Adam Cole would target significantly especially uh with the use of the sharpshooter when Dax got the sharpshooter on, massive pop. When Adam Cole put on the sharpshooter, the heel heat was outstanding. Which, again, it's 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 genuinely outsta- like incredible, the fact that Adam Cole is, like, beloved. Like, so beloved. Like, not only just from, like, you know from watching his Twitch streams as Chugs that you know this dude is just one of the nicest guys that uh, AWC seems to have on their roster. But not only that, like, his entrance and his whole like presentation it's like wrestling fans love it. But at the same time, he does such good heel shit. He does such good heel shit, despite the fact that he's mega over with the fans. Um, so the use of the sharpshooter and the fact that he won with it was unbelievably great. It's such great heel uh, work by Adam Cole. Um, this match was an awesome start. They did great. Um, and um yeah, if you need any proof of how much this meant to Dax and how much fans really like took to Dax in this tournament and just in these past few like couple months, um, after the match was over and after AEW, I believe they were either off the air or in the middle of doing a interview afterwards. Um, they, Dax got a standing ovation after the match was over. Um, he, he responded to it on Twitter, did doing a little bit of a, uh, Twitter promo. And, um, yeah, seeing them give, seeing the fans in Long Island give him a uh, standing ovation after that match was genuinely really cool to see, and I'm sure Floyd can go into even more detail about this. Also, we now know he has his masturbatory, uh, uh, uh Bret Hart socks as he's tweeted that out,
2: dude, um, which dude. can mean a, that can mean many things. <laughs> yes, no, uh, he he does he does uh. He does love him some Bret Hart, dude. He has a life-size statue of Bret Hart in his uh, bar area. I'm like, dude, there's nobody, like, no one loves Bret Hart as much as this man does, and I love that. And um, this match was great. It told a great story. Uh, they were pretty even to begin with. Dax might even been a little ahead, but, uh, you know, the whole match turned on when Adam Cole threw Dax under the turn under the ropes and his uh ribs hit the turnbuckle. And you know, even Dax, he had him, he had him, he had him in the sharpshooter. But on the sharpshooter, if you know wrestling storyline, you got to use your ribs to pull back on it. So he was using his ribs to pull back on it and he collapsed out of the move and he lost the move. And then Adam Cole, being the tremendous dick that he is, he's so good at it, puts on the sharpshooter aka because you know, uh, Dax gave. Uh, was giving a uh, cold crap because he said his hero was Shawn Michaels. And he's like, your heroes are questionable. And what did he do? He gave him the Montreal, like a Montreal finish when Shawn put Brett in the sharpshooter. But this time, Dax, because of the very interdribs, had to, unfortunately, he got to the ropes. He got pulled out, and he had to tap out. And, you know, it is funny. He had a great promo earlier in the week just a. Fuck it, just the internet promo. It wasn't even like a AEW promo where he says uh, it was about uh, going to failure, but not failing. And he said, if I happen to fail in this match, I'm going to go to failure, but I'm not failing. He went to failure. He went to he absolutely couldn't take it anymore. So that told the story of the match. Uh, Long Island. If you, I, I, mean, I am trying. I am trying. I am the worst at it. I suck at social media, but I am trying to tweet more from the All Things Elite account. Uh, so I, I did try to tweet it, and I t- added Long Island to my bucket list of uh, shows that I had to see AEW in Long Island with all the Long Island people there. They just seem to be this hot crowd, and of course MJF is there, and we'll talk about that later. So uh, because of this respect shown to my boy Dax Harwood, L.I. has jumped way higher on my list of places. It is definitely on my wrestling bucket list. And and by saying that, you know, people say wrestling bucket list and they're like, "Well, one day." No, not one day. The in 2023, in 20 the show in 2023 when AEW's in Long Island, your boy Floyd will be on Long Island seeing that show because uh they are they have, they have a killer fan base. I, I just think it's electric. I think AEW has some places that the crowd seem to be extra great, and Long Island's one of them. Dallas is one of them. Uh, Chicago, any place, anywhere in the Chicago area is one of them. I'm hoping to add Detroit to it next uh, month, but they just have this, they have these areas that are just seemed extra lit for their shows and long Island is definitely one of them. So, and I just love how much CM Punk hates long Island. That's amazing. So yeah, that's a great match. Did what he had, it did what he needed to do. I said last week that it wouldn't make sense for Dax Harwood to win. And I stand by that. I understand for the moment, for the emotion, all that. And if Dax Harwood had drew anyone else in the other seven, uh anyone else in that first round of the tournament, I would have believed that he would win. But he literally pulled he literally pulled one of the most pushed single superstars in AEW. I just didn't think it was gonna happen. And unfortunately, unfortunately I was right. I didn't if there's ever been a time that I wanted to be wrong, this was the time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And no, Long Island is one of those cities again, like after the, the, the match where they gave the a standing ovation, I still think that was just really, really cool. Um, however, this crowd, despite the fact that they're the MJF crowd can't even boost CM punk properly. They just can't do it, which will move us into the next match. CM Punk versus the meat man himself, John Silver of the Dark Order with Hangman Adam Page on commentary of this match. Uh, Punk comes out with an Islanders jersey of John Tavares, who uh, is not an Islander anymore. And um, Islander fans don't seem to. don't like John Tavares that much anymore I can't I can't put my finger on as to why that is um if you're a hockey fan I'm sure you're very much uh aware of it but I won't go into detail there's a bit too much backstory on that I feel But, but um he cut off cult of personality as well said it's clobbering time and then walked to the ring without cult of personality which was great um again they couldn't even necessarily boo him right because he got a massive pop when he came out and, like, they were booing him, but, like, they weren't booing him. Like, I I know what booing somebody, like, heavily is. And that wasn't it. So, um, Punk, uh, though, John Silver did get a great reaction, which was awesome. It was great to see. Um, John Silver got a ton of really cool offense in here and seeing how he works so fast and he works so quick against... Uh, punk and it was just it was really 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 good but despite that punk while looking at uh hangman off at commentary at one point wins the match with the buckshot lariat on john silver furious hangman comes running down to the ring and punk's response was are you mad like are you mad like listen i don't know why these people don't like me but when it comes to you and when it comes to them and that title it's not personal it's just business because it seems like you were taking it a little bit personal um and he wakes he used to wake up every morning and ask himself in the mirror are you a good guy this morning he woke up and asked are you the champ and my answer was yes and he said that after double or nothing he wasn't going to shake his hand Uh, hangman was going to embarrass him and he said at double or nothing you will shake my hand whether you're conscious or unconscious. And he just stuck his hand back out, and Hangman flips him off and runs off like a fucking cowboy coward as he is. Oh, you can't go on ass. the
2: mic with CM Punk. Oh, punk-ass Page, which is what I'll call him from now on, uh... because Punk's gonna get in that ass uh, at double or nothing, and Hangman's also a punk-ass. Uh... Yeah, so this match was really good. John Silver gave uh, CM Punk a way better match than Hangman ever will. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Pepsi, the official drink of all things elite. Um, he spilled my diet soda. Uh, yes, uh, shout out to Pepsi. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. It, when I looked at this match, I thought it was really good. CM Punk, he did it on purpose. He wore an Islanders jersey. They thought he was, uh, he thought they were, he thought they were given like an olive branch. He thought he was saying it. And then they realized what, uh, uh, what Islanders jersey it was. And that was just like a big old middle finger. It would be like basically going to Detroit with a Matt Stafford jersey on. Um Yeah. I don't think so. Honestly,
1: Detroit fans would still be like, Yeah, Stafford, because Detroit fans will cling on to what bit of success that we can get because at this point we don't have a lot. Like oh, look at okay. the Tigers, for Excuse me.
2: It, in the height of Cleveland, it would have been like rolling in there with a LeBron James jersey on when after he had,
1: Oh yeah, after he went to Miami, yes. it would have literally been like
2: that. Yeah, that's what it would have been. Uh Or going into Boston with a Kyrie Irving jersey. A- absolutely. See, there you go, you get it. And that's the whole yeah. thing. All they saw was the front of the jersey at front, first. And they were like, oh, okay, he likes us. Then they saw the back of the jersey. <laughs> that's why he got the initial pop. <laughs> it's because they saw the front of the jersey.
1: Hey, our guy. But even though they like, – hey, that that was the whole idea, though, is that they were like – they booed him last time he was there. Well, booed him. But, like, they couldn't even do that right. Like, yeah. again, no, no, like, no, Chicago
2: no. was way louder. No, no, Long Island. Love it. Love it. I'm just – I just pray for that time where it's CM Punk versus MJF in Long Island for the AEW title. God, that would just be that'd just be great. They're talking about alter, alternate cities. Uh, Tony Khan did something today. I was going to talk about at the end of the show. Might as well talk about now about maybe doing an alternate <coughs> alternate city for All Out. I would throw a vote in there for Long Island. I'm sure
1: that would be one that could um, that could be up there. I'm sure um, oh, they've I'm gone there like, at least twice now.
2: I'm so I'm just like how hot they are. It's just a very hot crowd, and that's what you want for all out. It's a very and
1: it's hot. a good sized arena too. The UBS Arena. It's a yeah. good sized arena too.
2: Yeah, it's a good sized arena. And, you know, they had a lot of people there. So and uh, we found out in uh, this neither here nor there, but um on, on the Long Island, AEW outsells the other wrestling company by a lot same arena or whatever it's just like shows around the same type like raw versus dynamite or pay-per-view versus pay-per-view or whatever they outsell them and that's just kind of crazy being as young as the company that they are but uh you saw it in the show there's a magic there's an energy to long island and i'm not just sitting here trying to put long island over but i was just like dude i'm watching this show and i was like okay i have to go see a show there but yeah, yeah, Punk did no. his business. The yeah. Buckshot Lariat was perfect. The the him, I, I, you know, the condescending uh, Punk's really good at being the condescending dick. Like, why are you mad? Well, of course I'm coming. You know, coming to take your title. Why are you mad? But uh, yeah, I
1: just took out your boy.
2: Yeah, but <clears> uh, yeah, uh, millennial. The millennial man's about to beat up the cowboy in a few weeks in Dallas. I mean, I know uh, Las Vegas. And uh, next time, you know, you know, yeah, maybe we can find a spot on dark for Hangman.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we could find at least one. I mean, yeah. it's going to be a bit of a bit of a rough stretch, but we can find something. But moving on, we had the AEW in ring debut of very nice, very evil Danhausen against the premier athlete Tony Niece. Fans were. So, rag, uh, like, hoping and ready to see Dan Housen. And immediately, uh, Dan Housen tries to curse Tony Nese. He gets hit with a running knee and he gets pinned in like 25 seconds. Again. I and know. Dan Housen is 0 and 1 in AEW. Yeah. And smart Mark Sterling's like, Are you shocked? I'm not. Yeah. Like, Tony this guy got an entrance and you did not
2: dude let me tell you about victory laps for your old boy floyd when everybody was going crazy about dan Housen being signed and they're like oh my god and like he's a comedy act that never wins there i mean it does not show you <laughs> <laughs> like uh, this is exactly what I said he was. This is exactly what I said he was. I saw him on ROH for a year and the whole gimmick was that he had win a year without winning a match. This dude is funny. Yeah. He's on double or nothing in the pre show. You know, it's not like
0: yeah, he, ha- he has
2: It's not like that they're
1: going to push him to like, like the main title spot. Again, it's a, it's another they gave Orange Cassidy a lot of a push and I think and people no. were thinking they were he was going to get a push to the level of Orange Cassidy where he was wrestling Chris Jericho and, and stuff no, like that no. and winning.
2: Yeah, and I stole and I'm not stealing this point from Joe Lanza uh from Voice of Wrestling. I do agree with it and I was saying something similar. But look at Tony Nice. That dude had been in matches before, and no one cared. It was like, I'm not yes. saying he didn't have any fans. It was just like, they were like, oh, you're a good wrestler, and they didn't care. In 20 seconds, Tony niece is now over as a heel. You know, oh, yeah. And also, again, having,
1: having Martin having Mar- –
2: Sterling helps as well. He's in Long Island and he's getting booed. He's on it's his hometown and he's getting booed. Why? Because he beat up Danhausen and that's not allowed. And then Hook, after Dan Housen's getting attacked Ooh. after the match. Oh my god, this dude. I mean, good lord. And they're doing it right. They are doing a simmer. He's not just, you know, running through the whole company. And this is just I, I just what they're doing with Hook is perfect right now because hook uh, has had
1: such great production behind him and great protection and just the way that they've handled him has been outstanding i have been in awe with how good this dude has looked like considering the fact that we saw him on tv for like almost a year where like the only match he had was the freaking cinematic match with darby allen and sting and Like that was the only match that we saw Hook even do anything in. And at that point, got him
2: over with two words: "Send Hook." As he does. I'm just saying. You don't talk about it. It was like everybody kind of wanted to see Hook. Then Punk's like, "I don't care. Send Hook." That sign showed up the next week. Send Hook. Send Hook. And it was. It's become this phenomenon. He's hot. And I love it. And now he's on the pay-per-view. And the team, everybody's dream team, Hookhausen, rides again. Yes, as
1: Danhausen extended his hand once again to uh, Hook. And this time, Hook accepts the handshake. And Hookhausen will be in the buy-in taking on Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling, who will be in ring. And they will be on the buy-in for Double or Nothing
2: uh, yay! Love that.
1: <laughs> I'm just so I I I am just so excited to see that hook entrance live. Like again, just when I hear Action Bronson going on in the crowd, like I'm gonna be going fucking nuts.
2: Love that Danhausen. I'm just like this is it's gonna. I just I just love his character. I love what he does. I watch the Ethan Page toy hunts, and he's funny on there. This dude is just really good. So I I really do. And I love what he does. And if you're looking at AEW, you are seeing there is a more defined level of where everyone is. And this show showed you where everyone is. You know, like CM Punk. There's the CM Punk uh hangman adam page level like the heavily pushed stars then dan helsen and then you got like hook and kind of is is coming up warlow's a little ahead of him but they they're both like over but you know what they don't have to they don't have to beat everybody so i i am really i really enjoy this show because it kind of just it would have been a great show to watch show a first time watcher of aew it
1: really would, um, but we got to get into the next segment, which I know, Floyd, your tweet on this from the uh, All Things Elite account, it blew up a bit. Uh, you uh, tweeted big praise on the contract signing between MJF and Wardlow, and uh, Wardlow, of course, comes out in handcuffs with tons of uh, security and a literal Titan Tron that just says, boo Wardlow, as he's getting a great reaction from the Long Island crowd, and then we had MJF getting a dark side of the ring vignette. And I'll let you go ahead and go over this.
2: Yes. So I have been an open hater, of dark side of the ring, but Oh God, the production on this was amazing. Uh Jericho, it comes off as a dark side of the ring and Jericho starts talking to cover the fact that Jericho still hates MJF. He's like, this is for MJF. I'm not doing this for that jerk. Or whatever he said. He's like, how much is he paying me? Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> because Jericho is a sports entertainer. So he does it all for the money. Of course. So he goes on to talk about the match with uh, MJF and CM Punk. Where uh, Wardlow basically turned on MJF. And and talked about calling him a pig. And then they brought in. I, I don't remember this, who all they brought in. But they brought in people. Taz was one of them, right?
1: I'll yeah, Taz was one. Yeah, he yeah, walked out of the interview. Yes,
2: and they all came in and they were basically just burying Wardlow, saying how ungrateful of a person for all the MJF done for him. But they did it in perfect, like Dark Side of the Ring production. It they it, it wasn't tongue in cheek. It wasn't everybody giggling. Everybody was talking like this was a real episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And that made it so much funnier. Dude, I, I, I was in stitches. This, I think, I think three years, I've watched every show, was probably the greatest produced Romo segment in Dynamite history. I just, I don't think anything touches it. The darks uh the, the dark order stuff was really good. Uh the build up to uh hangman winning the title was really good. Uh Kenny Omega stuff was good, but this was like the funniest thing ever. Because That was outstanding. It was it was perfect. Oh my god. I'm like, yes, and it did and I was like I was like I wasn't expecting to get all the likes that I did on it and it uh it blew up a little bit and and I was like dude cool you know I was like cool and this is why I really I, I mean honestly that's why I want to post more because I want to uh <laughs> you know just get the the show out there a bit more let people know we exist but Yeah, it was just, it was so done. I was just laughing the whole time. I actually had to pause at the segment so I could actually watch the segment because I was laughing and I was missing the actual segment that was going on, which, of course, Wardlow's in the ring, uh, gets brought in, handcuffed, and MJF playing up to Long Island like no one's business. I mean, he even says... He's like, people up in the cheap seats, I want to hear you. You're poor, but I still love you. <laughs> I was like, that's yep. great. I'm gonna start Such saying, a great line. I'm poor, but uh, you're poor, but I still love you. Uh, it was, oh, my God. I mean, Long Island's going to sell out from now on just because of the energy that they put into these shows, the detail. Oh, my God. And then, of course, he sets out the uh, the terms for Wardlow to wrestle him, uh, which has become a theme for MJF. But most importantly, all the all the things were where Cody had to go through. What what yep, And he literally name-dropped the fact that this is the same thing that he made Cody go through. Yes, so... And it's funny because Wardlow was on MJ's side, MJF's side, when he was putting Cody through this, so it really does go full circle. Well, now... Wardlow's on the other side. Like Everybody's been screaming everything he's done to everybody else that he can do to you. He's actually doing it to Wardlow. He has to take the one no, not five not six, not seven not eight, not nine but Mr. Spears and Mr. Spears shakes it up and goes, ten! And everyone... Oh, he
1: was so happy man. to oblige for that. Yeah,
2: everyone in the whole stadium yells ten. Uh... Uh, Sean Spears filling over and he's going to get 10 lashes from that. And then after he survives the 10 lashes, the next week, which will be live on the third anniversary of Double or Nothing from Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay. It will be Wardlow versus Sean Spears in a steel cage. Yeah. So
1: how about that? First of all, I I honestly really dig the fact that they made this a double or nothing match because you would have thought that like the MJF and Wardlow match would be the double or nothing match. But we're going to get Wardlow and Sean Spears in a cage
2: on double or nothing, no, which I no, think no, A is a great no. No, it's going to be on Dynamite. And then he's going to have to wrestle. Oh, it is going to be on Dynamite. Okay. On Dynamite. On Dynamite. It's the third anniversary. Okay. I must have been confused. No, because I said it. it. Because I said it was the third anniversary of Double or Nothing. So he's going to wrestle. Yeah. He's going to. Warlow's going to wrestle Spears on Dynamite, I believe. And then if he wins, it'll be MJF versus Warlow at Double or Nothing. Which is. Okay. Gotcha. full, Full on Cody treatment. And I love it and it's amazing. There was a lot of subtle shout-outs to Cody. This was a more blatant shout-out. There was another subtle shout-out, but MJF is perfect. Uh, This seems like the perfect idea. There's been reports that MJF is not happy with his contract with AEW and might be looking to sign with WWE in 2024. My whole thing is, first of all, I will say this, MJF's not stupid. Right. WWE comes with an offer in 2024, and AEW beats it. He's going to sign with AEW.
1: Well yeah, he's already said where he'll yeah. go where the money goes. Exactly. So like, he doesn't I just, care. Yeah, I just he has, like he's, the, this this dickhead has no loyalty. Yeah. Loyalty is not a thing that this man yeah. knows.
2: Yeah. And so this is 18 months away. So I like I don't even like I'm mentioning it on the show because it's all things elite and you got it to go where the name And of course
1: and of course he <laughs> mentioned it in the promo about yeah. 2024. But it's just
2: like yeah, it doesn't matter because you know, and, and and of course he might not be happy with his contract, which is a thing, of course. But I think this is the the fair thing when you deal with Tony Khan. Well, if he doesn't want you anymore, he'll keep you under contract and he'll he'll uh honor your contract, right? The other part of it is he yes. expects the other people to honor their contract too. No, there's no range. That's how that goes, yeah. It's <laughs> no, a there's no it's a street. You signed for this much for this long, you'll work. For this much for this long, and towards the end of the deal, we'll negotiate your contract, and you know you we might come to terms, we might not. It's just the way it is. I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's something that a lot of people aren't now. It's fair. Yeah, I'm I mean again, it's just, it's just yeah. how business it's just how <laughs> business works. Yeah. Both sides are going to honor the contract. It's fair. So. <clears throat>
0: I think Orlo should
2: go for, I mean uh MJF should go for the bag. I feel like he should take everybody to the cleaners because I was pointing out today I love the four pillars. I love the four pillars of AEW how they all are positioned, written and all that stuff. All of them uh, were on this week's programming in one way or another. But the idea is I think if you look at the four pillars as free agents right now, the one that WWE is backing up to bring struck for <laughs> is MJF. I don't. Oh, the, oh, absolutely. I don't think the other three. I think they would pay the other three, but they don't fit exactly what they're looking for. MJF is a sports entertainer. Uh, MJF is the Miz on steroids. You know what I mean? He's so good, right? At it, and I think they back up the blink chart for to him, so he's going to be in a, an advantage to negotiate. And I think. You know, he should take advantage of that. And, you know, I, I mean, I love AEW. I, I want him to finish his very long career there. But, you know, you got to do what's best for you. Get the bag. You know what I mean?
1: <sighs> Absolutely. And, of course, this this uh, segment ended with Wardlow signing the contract, flipping the table after he got out of his uh, handcuffs because MJF was stupid and was like, let him out of the handcuffs to sign the contract. And uh, he flipped the table, demolished the security, uh spears tried to stop him with a steel chair that didn't go well at all mjf tried to run away and wardlow ended up having him in his grasp until mark sterling jumped on wardlow's back and mjf could get away but then wardlow got power wardlow powerbomb mark sterling through the through the uh table and uh they were just running away so yeah uh this is a really really great segment honestly um and i am very excited for um MJF and Wardlow at Double or Nothing. Apologies for my confusion because I, when Floyd said um, uh, on the third anniversary of Double or Nothing, I was like, oh, they put the Steel Cage match on, on on Double or Nothing. I must have missed that. But no. So I am excited for both matches, though. I am very excited for that. But we'll move over now to the FTW, FTW title match between the champion Ricky Starks and AEW World Tag Team champion Jungle Boy. Now, this match was very... Very good. Um, actually, what ends up happening... Um, the match itself, like, them working together, these two guys are great. Um, there's a bit of a... A bit of a issue I might have had a bit with uh, the closing moments of this match. Um, I like the finish of how, like, Ricky Starks, who has had issues with Swerve Strickland, who came down here. Um, Starks was going to use the FTW Championship. Swerve Strickland came down and pulled it away from him. And uh, Ricky uh, was... Uh, uh, not was upset about that, and the referee was get, trying to deal with Swerve on the outside. But because of that, Ricky was still able to get advantage on Jungle Boy, hitting Rochambeau while he was looking away at the distraction from Swerve, and Starks retained the FTW championship. Christian Cage and Luchasaurus came down, and he uh, proceeded to shoulder, ch- like shoulder block pretty much, uh, Swerve walking down, and then... They were yelling at each other. Uh, Christian, Luchasaurus, and Swerve, and all them. Keith Lee comes out, gets by Swerve's side, and there's a standoff between the two. As uh, Ricky Starks and uh, and the uh, Powerhouse Hobbs are walking to the side, and then Jungle Boy is kind of just looking off and just like distraught. And Christian kind of walks up behind him for a slight period offer support. looks like he, there was an, almost an idea that like Christian was going to be like so fed up with, uh, Luchasor, I mean, jungle boy, slight little slump in singles competition that he was going to possibly like knock some sense into him. Wasn't the case. Uh, there was also a bit of uh, technical difficulties with the music. Cause Keith Lee's music got caught off like just randomly and they tried to bring it back. And it didn't work. Um, it was a little bit of an awkward, like kind of finish Cause there was just a bit of a lot of staring at each other. Like at one point, um, I do like uh, the I, like Jungle Boy just looking off just really not in the right mindset. And then there was like the slight possible tease of a Christian heel turn um, from what I saw at least. Um, I think the ending of that segment could of that match could have been done a lot better. It wasn't bad, but I did see a bit of awkwardness in it I, that I couldn't
2: help but point out. Oh, absolutely. It, it came off super, super, super awkward. Like all the way awkward. Uh, it, it came off stupid face, you know, stupid faces. You know what I mean? It was clear that he was trying to help you, and he accidentally distracted the referee. He's literally telling the referee to turn around, and the referee's ignoring him. And it's just like, I need, mean, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. But I mean, again, I get, I get it. I get it. I, like Christian, seemingly, like I said, there, there's been maybe some slight hints that he might be uh departing from jungle boy and luchasaurus and possibly turning heel which i'm kind of honestly for because christian's a really good heel but uh yeah that's that's at least yeah. the reason as to why
2: i thought yeah, that I, like, I, I, no i can he was kind of beating dick i can hear the promo in my head i've taken a back seat from you mentored you and you keep losing I <laughs> you know that kind yeah. of thing and it's just like no i can definitely see it coming uh, especially whenever they do lose the tag team belts. Cause this seems like it was building up to a triple threat tag team match somehow. So um, w- I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. I-, I thought this was, even though kind of clunky, great segment. I don't kind of know where the tag team titles are going and I'm looking forward to where they're going.
1: Yeah. We then move over to the Jericho appreciation society, society victory speech. Um, And they had a podium. Angelo Parker comes out and says, AEW Galaxy, welcome to our victory speech. And then uh, Matt Menard, a.k.a. uh, Daddy Magic, comes out and just talks about, you know what really gets me turned on or what really turns me on? I'm just like, stop. Shut the fuck up. Stop that right now. Everyone was just like, we really don't want to know what the fuck that is. And he's like, I get to stand here and be a part of the greatest faction in the world, the JAS. And then Jericho uh, talked about the uh, hometown heroes in Long Island. He's like, I'm one of those because I was uh, actually born on the road here. But I moved away pretty damn quickly because this place is a dump. He's like, it's, you guys know it sucks. And if you got a problem with that, I'll throw a fireball in your face because I'm a wizard. Like, him – that line coming out of Chris Jericho's mouth is so stupid that I love it. Like, it's so stupid. Like, him just be like, because I'm a wizard. Like, such a dumb line, but I just can't help but, like, it's so dumb that I'm just like, you know what? Sure, call yourself a fucking wizard at, at this point. I don't know what the hell else you could call yourself. You're just going to run down the alphabet of just everything that you can call yourself. Um, They talked about how they – beat up and systematically eliminated Santana and Ortiz and Eddie Kingston. They're like, stay at home, especially Eddie, because I burned your face. And then like, hey, and besides, you need to be home and take care of your wife and uh, make sure she's feeling better. And if she doesn't, just have her give me a call. And John Moxley's music plays, walking through the crowd, standing up for his friend Eddie Kingston. And uh, Jericho was like, there's one of you and five of us. Get out of here. Brian Danielson's music hits, and he comes out with Wheeler Yuta and William Regal and he's like still four on four on five, and then all of a sudden Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz get in the ring. Now the JAS is outnumbered by the Black Bull Combat Club and Eddie Santana and Ortiz, and Eddie just fucking goes right after Chris Jericho and is just like choking him on the mat, and uh, they all are beating up on each other, and then Jericho rolls out in the ring and gets fucking knocked by William Regal, which was yes. Lord Regal himself gets a good shot on Chris Jericho and the JAS retreat retreats. And um, I'm very excited to see what comes out of this because this is just – there's so many good wrestlers and good talent in this just group, just massive thing. And um, I just want to see what the fuck happens. But like even though I'm not a massive fan of the JAS as a group necessarily, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I just think it's it's another thing to keep Jericho doing stuff on TV. Um, And the whole going after sports entertainment thing is funny. Uh, I – I love Eddie. I love Santana and Ortiz. The Blackpool Combat Club is fucking great. So, like, I just love all these baby faces, and like Jericho, solid, and like, I just want to see what the fuck these guys do. So, I thought this was a, was a pretty dang good segment.
2: This was a really good segment. I uh, definitely, I dug everything about it. Um, uh, I kept wondering who the two people a uh, they, uh, they were going to bring in to help uh Santana Ortiz and uh Kingston and then every guest was not as good as what it was. They brought out the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh probably my favorite faction going on right now. It was kind of amazing and I just like AEW does it again. That's all I can say. And we, William Regal even got physical, which I didn't think we'd see. Yes. And it's yeah, it was perfect. It was perfect. I I mean like perfect. I, I I have no notes. All right. Well, we'll move
1: over now to the Owen Hart Women's Tournament that took place. The the quarterfinals match that took place uh, in this show, Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm. These two girls beat the hell out of each other. I mean, like this was one of the more physical uh, singles matches that we've seen the girls do. Um, I really like Tony Storm. And I think that she's going to continue to get better and better and get more uh, established with the AEW fans. Um, I know she's not necessarily there yet because, I mean, like let's be fair with ourselves—like, not a ton of people watched NXT UK. But, like, I think Tony's going to be really, really good. Um, Jamie Hayter, honestly, is getting a good reaction from the crowd as well, too. So I think she's going to be another person who becomes a pretty good stable in the women's division. Um, but these two girls did a really good match. Um, the Storm Zero was a little bit rushed, I felt like. Uh, her finisher was kind of rushed and, like, didn't get the full impact I felt like you could have gotten. They were moving really fast and really physical. But the Storm Zero wasn't hit as as perfectly as it could have been. Um, that's a bit of a nitpick, but like the match itself was good. Honestly, I like these two, um, and I think Tony moving on is is the right move. And um, I'm I'm interested to see uh, what the uh, match ends up playing out because I'm pretty sure we're gonna get Tony versus Britt. Because even though I know the Joker is uh gonna be a, is a bit gonna be whatever the surprise they decide to do with um, Tony versus Britt, I think will be a really good match.
2: Absolutely, completely agree with that. Uh, yeah, this match was a solid match. Really solid singles wrestling match. Might not have been as clean as in different parts. Uh, especially the finish. I would have liked that to go over a little bit more smooth. But I've always been a fan of the Storm Zero as a finisher. And it ended well. So it was a good match. Yeah. Well, let's move in now to the crazy-ass main
1: event. The Own Heart men's quarterfinal match. The second one of the day. And the main event was Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. The past and legend of the i'ma throw myself off of the highest shit possible versus the present of the i'm gonna throw myself off the highest shit possible and this match in the middle of the show they showed a promo and a video package building up to this match um darby was just like bro the people want to see it and they know what what they want from us let's just make this um no holds bar anything goes like let's just do what it does. like you said it yourself we're more stuntmen than we are wrestlers, so let's just go ahead and give the people what they want. And it's an anything-goes match. And, like, these two, oh, my God. Like, we literally had the ladder set up in the middle of the ring, and Jeff Hardy sat on top of, like, six chairs. Like, she's, he's just laid across this, like, almost table of chairs. And Darby jumps off, swanton's off of it, and lands on Jeff. Fucking... Ow! Like, what a fucking spot. Um, Darby then tried to do a coffin drop later onto the uh, apron. He missed and lands. Like, it fucking hurts every time I see him do it. Um, Jeff Hardy then tried to do a swanton bomb off the turnbuckle onto the ring steps. He missed and would crash and burn on that. And eventually, though, Darby would hit the uh, coffin drop um, where the ladder was in the middle of the ring, but he got countered by as Jeff Hardy he rolls him up. And has him almost pinned under the ladder almost. And Jeff Hardy gets the win over Darby. So Jeff Hardy gets – not not necessarily the upset I would feel like because, again, Jeff is more established at doing these types of matches. But Jeff Hardy beats the established AEW guy, which honestly I don't think even matters because, again, Darby loves Jeff Hardy from what we've seen already. And I think they're just protecting Darby to do whatever the hell it is that he does Um building up towards uh double or nothing but like they stole the cody
2: finish they stole the cody finish (laughs) darby versus cody match two they stole the fucking cody finish yeah borrowed no they stole it they stole it they stole (laughs) cody's finish i was i was disturbed i was upset Threw a piece of I threw a piece of paper across. I got on the internet and I started typing a <laughs> main message and I deleted it because I know no one cares. But they stole Cody's finish. But no, it was a, it was a it was everything to match. You thought it would be. I would love this match with a little heat behind it. I would love it. Yeah, I honestly. And, yeah, but no, who would play the heel? I'm like. One of the most overfaces of all time, Jeff Hardy, versus one of the most overfaces of all time, Darby Allin. It's just, I don't know how it would work, but I would love a little heat behind this match. We just knew this was a match that we didn't think we would ever see, and then we're just like, we're going to enjoy. When Darby set up the tear chairs, did the dive from the top, and Jeff Hardy, quote, unquote, caught him. Because... Because... He literally just kind of gotten away. I wouldn't call it a catch, and it was just like, they hate their bodies. They hate their bodies, dude. Like I will, like no, yeah. I will never complain about pain. I will just suck it up because I'll remember that Darby Allen did this, and he doesn't do drugs. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he doesn't do drugs. He's just gonna live with the pain, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. That's a thing that a man... That's a choice. I, 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 it fully, is. I fully am behind his choice, but damn. Damn.
1: Very much damn. But that was AEW Dynamite. What a fucking way to close off a show, though, I will say. And uh, Undisputed Elite also had to stare down with the Hardings after the match was over. I will point that as out as well. But now... We'll move over now after we talked about Dynamite to AEW Rampage taking place on May 13th, um, and this was on early because of uh, playoff hockey, I believe, and uh, I will uh, throw it to Floyd because I have not watched this show yet. So Floyd, if, you're, if you may, I will comment on the ending thing because I have seen what happened to close the show, and I do have a comment on it. But I will let you go through the, the rampage for right now because, like I said, I have yet to see it because yes. I was at work.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a very quick run through Death Triangle versus Butcher and Blade and Mark Quinn. Death Triangle wins after an exciting about 10 minute match where they did all the stuff. <laughs> they did like all the stuff. Uh, the, the end of the match came with uh, Penta and Ray did the combination uh, package pile driver and then the black arrow from uh black arrow from pack to get the pin after the match the lights go out and they come on and here is uh here is the house of black they kind of staring them down and it looks like they're about to get it on and then the lights go off and then the house of black are gone playing mind games with the death triangle they still haven't announced the match for when this three-on-three match is going to happen but it is going to happen soon i imagine the next match, Sean Spears versus Bear Boulder. Honestly, uh, very much squash match, Sean Spears. Bear Boulder gets on the ropes. Sean Spears uh, supports him, hits his Death Valley driver, uh, then uh, beats him with a chair afterwards. Very, you know, like quick. Uh, are, are, are we Then we get Mark Sterling and Tony Nese in a backstage interview. Uh, they're told that uh, Mark Sterling and Tony Nese have to wrestle Danhausen and um, Dan Housen and Hook or Hookhausen at the uh, uh, double or nothing buy in Mark Sterling was like I'm not a wrestler I don't even have gear this is not going to happen Tony Neath says I'm the premier athlete I look I just beat uh, Dan Housen in 20 seconds I can beat these guys two on one so uh, that's what's you know that's what I'm going to do and it was okay but uh, basically Mark Sterling got in trouble for keep getting involved in matches and part of his punishment was to have to wrestle in this tag match. Then we got Ruby Soho and Rio. I think if I said there was a match from this show that you should seek out, I'd say this one. It was a very physical, fast paced match. Uh, the thing is, Rio, like you get to the ending and Rio uh, just wouldn't quit. Ruby Soho just kept hitting her and kept hitting her and she just wouldn't stay down. Finally, uh, Ruby hit the sister Abigail. I don't know what they're calling it, but it's the sister Abigail and that finally kept Rio down for a three. I think an upset, Ruby Soho be- beating Rio because, you know, Rio's former world champion. Very much a pushed competitor in AEW, so I call that an upset. We then get a gun glove and c- claim segment where uh, Billy Gunn is like, I have some history with factions so we need to come up with uh a hand sign, and uh, Austin's like, You know what? We came up with this thing. What we're gonna do is take our two hands, and then we're gonna point down. He's like, Nope, 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 that will never get over. That's a horrible idea. And uh, uh, then uh, uh then Max and um, Max and Bowens did the f- scissor thing the scissor thing, and he's like, that's perfect. And he's like, now we need a catchphrase. And they say, "We're, we're uh, Austin's like, oops, we came up with a catchphrase on our own, no help for anywhere. What we're going to say is, you got two words? And he's like, no, 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 that's so dumb. they will never get over. And then uh, <laughs> uh, uh Max said, hey, yo, yo, listen. And he's like, oh, yeah, that works. So I feel like that's going to be a part of this gimmick that everything the gun club says is going to be stuff that their dad used to do, and everything Max and Bowen says is going to be like super brilliant because that just seems like that was going. It's a really funny segment, way funnier than I'm explaining it. I will say that, but just natural charisma and that kind of things because Billy Gunn was like really into it. Like then, Jade and the Baddies came out for a interview quote unquote interview. Uh, they're told. Uh, Hikaru Shida, uh got injured in the match, uh, with uh, got injured in the match uh Philly Street Fight, and she uh won't be able to be in the tournament. And then they announced the uh, replacement, and they said it was somebody Red Velvet was gonna be very uh familiar with, and it ended up being her friend more than a woman herself, Chris Statlander. Hikaru Shida came out and said today a little controversy or yesterday uh well i already had this was six hours ago uh well i already had first she put question what on the uh her being replaced and she said i already had four matches after the street fight and i just finished the greatest fighting musical show but i seem to have been injured japanese wrestling is nothing for them i'm so sorry and i'm sorry i couldn't be in the tournament too Uh, so that's uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, Hikaru does not seem to be injured, but she was written off for injury. Yeah, I want to know if this is a part of the storyline going forward or if this is an actual beef. So, or maybe an actual beef that can be used to go toward, go toward the storyline.
1: I believe, I believe the reason as to why was some. I, um, Justin Henry of Cultaholic told me that I, he believes that it was because of uh, prior Japanese uh, commitments that she yeah. had,
2: and, and she says, and like, that was
1: why she was written off. So again, um, like
2: what. Right, no, go ahead and say what you No, I was just saying that's that's what that's the story that I've heard at least right now. Then an hour later she said, a glad from my heart that Chris is in the tournament. Now I'm gonna try to enjoy sudden holidays in Japan because it has been a while before I had B positive. So she's just gonna enjoy her time off. So we got Chris Statlander versus Red Velvet in the on now. So that was just a little bit of controversy. This stuff is gonna come up in the nature of professional wrestling. Then we had Scorpio Sky versus Kazarian. Uh, it looked like they were gonna have a. Uh, Scorpio told, uh, you know, Dan Lambert and Ethan Page to stay in the back. It looks like Scorpio's going on a face run, so they shake hands before the match. They have a really it was like a really good wrestling match, face versus face wrestling match. At the end of the match, though. Kazarian's just a little bit better than Scorpio, and he gets him in a crossface, and he's about to put him down in a crossface. He has it locked, and nobody has gotten out of the crossface. Uh, at this point, Dan Lambert runs down to the ring, distracts the referee. Ethan Page comes in, hits Kazarian with the belt. Uh, um, there, it's Scorpio Scott falls on Kazarian because he didn't see what happened. And then right after they get up, Scorpio catches... Uh, Scorpio catches uh, Kazarian with the TKO and ends the match. Then, after the match, he's celebrating. He's trying to pick up Kazarian to shake his hand, let him know they had a good match. And Kazarian's like, oh, my God, the dude hit me with a belt. That guy came out there. Scorpio's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he he looks at uh, Ethan Page. Did you do it? Ethan Page says, yes, I did it. You got to pick a side. Are you with us? Or are you with him? Scorpio grabs the belt out of his hand. Looks like he's about to get into it with Ethan Page. Boom! Right upside the head of Frankie Kazarian. And then they beat up Frankie Kazarian. Uh, Sammy and Ty, who were in the crowd, came in with a chair to clear the ring. As Sammy was right, you should never trust Scorpio Sky. And Scorpio Sky's re hill turn is complete what do you think sir you said you saw that part yes
1: i did see that closing part and this just strikes me as confusing i i like the fact that they were leaning on like scorpio kind of looking like he might be separating himself from ethan page and dan lambert because again like i said at the end of the day those two are heels like all out heels like that's just what they are And to have, like, the little bit of, like, the fact that – I also like the fact that uh, uh, he – Frankie Kazarian lost by shenanigans, which I appreciate because I think Frankie is so good. And um, they should – He's a guy that they could use consistently if they wanted to. And they they probably should because he's really good. Like I said, first ever AEW Tag Team Champions for a reason. Um, But the double – turn that it seemed like they were trying to do with like Scorpio realigning himself with Dan Lambert and Ethan Page beating up Frankie and then Sammy and Ty have to come in for the save you do know people hate these two right like we we, we were having Sammy go along with him being a dickhead like we were going along with it and like Frankie was going after uh Going after Sammy for the right reasons too. Like again, like that. We, we were we were seemingly on the same page, but this decision just strikes me as weird. Now, of course, like I said, like I'm willing to see what happens out of this. I'm not gonna go out here and be like, this is like they're being stupid or this is jumping the gun. Like, why are you doing this? You're being brain dead. You're not listening to the fans. It's like this could easily turn into something else and just be very interesting and different. Like I said, it just struck me as odd and not the right choice just from the from the beginning part of it at least right now uh if if this means that frankie gets more tv time i'm cool with it because i love frankie i think he's great um but it just seems like a also i will say too sammy guevara right now um since he's not in the inner circle At this point in time, and it seems like a really harsh thing to say, and I don't really like saying it, but, like, Sammy Guevara is, like, nothing on AEW without that TNT championship or being tied with it. Like, that's all he has at this point. Um, But, again, like I said, I want to see what comes out of this because it just – again, it struck me as a really weird way to close out the show, so – That's that's my thoughts on it. So
2: I'll go to Floyd on it then. Uh, I think they were just trying to redefine that Dan Lambert, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky were heels, and they're all the way heels. That's what they were trying to get. I think it was getting confusing. People were like, "Well, a Scorpio face and they're heels?" And no, they wanted to make that clear that they're heels, and Kazarian's a face. And Sammy and Ty are in between. You boo them or you cheer them. They are literally in the Cody and Brandy area. That's what they are. I don't think there is over on that level as Cody and Brandy, but that's how they're being positioned. So that's where it is. I mean, they 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 have a plan for this, and whether we end up liking it or hating it, they're gonna go through with the plan. And I do love that with storylines in AEW. They're gonna continue with the plan. They literally just recast they recast uh Cody and uh Brandy. That's that that's pretty
1: much what they did, yeah. Cause they were doing the whole thing with Cody being a baby face and then uh Sammy. I mean uh Brandy
2: being the heel. Yeah, so they just kind of recasted it right now. So we're gonna see where it goes from here. And it is what it is. Um I don't know. It's like one of those things. I like Scorpio Sky. I want him to have a nice long title run. I do too. I also like the TNT title, and I want that to be treated on the level that it's supposed to be treated. So, if, even if he's a heel, if you know, if he holds it for a while, you know, before losing it, I'm down with that.
1: Yeah. Again, I, I'm I'm interested to see again. Like I said, it just seemed like a really odd way to close out the show because. Um, yeah well it just like like, again like i said i haven't haven't seen the rest of the show so i don't know how everything else felt like from my point of view like how the rest of the show felt but just like just in general kind of
2: weird not sure how i felt about it the roles were kind of clunky they wanted to clarify what the roles were i think that's all that and what it was about everybody was confused on who was on what side should we be booing scorpio sky should we be cheering scorpio sky they made it clear at the end who you should be booing and cheering even though you get to make up your own mind. Right. And like well, I like to say whether you liked course- it or not, but I under like for me from a storytelling basis, I can understand I can feel that's what they were doing. I might be completely off base and wrong, which I always leave open for, but it looks like, to me through my eyes that's what it looked like they were doing trying to, you know, really define the roles of the each wrestler
1: all right well that was aew rampage and the one last thing i'll comment on before we do our preview is that after the show in long island went off the air uh mjf came back out to send the crowd home happy the long island crowd home happy and uh, punk comes out continues to run down the islanders and uh, MJF was like, I could kick your ass right now if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. In fact, another Long Island boy is going to be the one that kicks your ass. And that's when Hook makes his way down to the ring. Punk is not wanting to deal with this. He rolls out and Hook gets in the ring. He's like, fuck this. I'm out of here. This town could kiss my ass. Dan Housing comes out and he's starting to curse cm punk and he's like what the fuck is going on man and he rolls his way back into the ring he's all furious about uh dan Housen, and then he bumps his back into hook and he's just like fuck and then he's feeling behind him and all of a sudden he's just like oh shit and he turns around he's like please god don't do it please and shake my hand it's like we're cool hook shakes his hand he's like yeah fuck you me and hook are cool blahdy blah tries to turn around Hook holds the grip, and he's like, fuck. He gets thrown up and thrown behind in a nice suplex and then gets put in the red rum, and he's choked out, and then that's how they uh, sent the fans home happy. And in a a nice little callback for CM Punk fans, uh, remember that steel cage match that uh, uh, CM Punk had a while ago on a SmackDown where he stayed knocked out in the ring until everybody left? He did it again. He was passed out, knocked out in the middle of the ring, and stayed that way getting stretchered out at one point uh, until everybody in that arena, in the UBS arena was gone. I love that he did that again because that was so fucking funny when he did that and that picture was going around the internet. Love that as a CM Punk fan, that nice little callback. And I'm glad that Hook was was the one that did that to him and also to the people that are like, Punk is being buried. It's like, bro, this was off TV. Shut up. Like, shut up. It's like this is a cool thing to send the fans home happy and like to say that this ruined punk like you're just trying to get a rise out of people. Knock it off. But this was an awesome way to send the fans home happy. I wish I was in attendance
2: for that moment. Honestly, I'm going to have a weird take on this. I really wish fans would stop posting this. I really do. All right. Fair, fair. I really wish fans would just enjoy this segment. It's for you. It's for the people in attendance. Maybe record it and watch it later, but stop posting it. This was for you. You know what I mean? If AEW wants to use it later, fine. But you're in the crowd. Just enjoy it. I know. I sound like an old man right now. Just enjoy the moment. But yeah, it just seems like posting these just cause more noise than is even necessary because it's what everybody's been doing for years. You know what I mean? You send their crowd home happy. This is not like a WWE thing. This is a wrestling thing. You send the crowd yes. home happy. So it's just like, Hey, just enjoy it. Sit there. Be in the moment. Hey, record it. Just don't post it. <laughs> I
1: get it again. Yeah. I, I think it's a it's just cause we know that wrestling Twitter is going to have an overreaction to anything like this. Like, Stuff like this that would get posted from house shows or whatever like this. Normally, like I said, it's a cool thing to see, but again, there are people that just take this shit a bit too seriously. Yeah. And they just freak the fuck
2: out. It's just it's just something that's fun for the fans and I just hate that people crap on it. So like I know just like don't post it. Just enjoy it, you know? Just be in that moment. I know it's weird. I it's like I love. I understand. It, man, I understand like, that that <laughs> belief. Yeah, You're like I'll go to the Chappelle show, and you you have to turn off your cell phones. If they see your cell phones on or whatever, they just kick you out, right? And it's just well, fun. no, well now, well now also too, like comedians.
1: Um, I'm actually going to see when we go to Vegas. Actually, on um, when we get there, we're going to see Silk Sonic, uh-huh. uh, aka uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. For those who are unfamiliar, um, and uh, they actually have a. A straight up no phone policy. They have these like tech, tech uh, these weird technological bags or whatever the fuck that they they give you. You have to put your phone in this bag, and the they, the bags lock pretty much for the entire show, unless you have a straight up emergency that you need to do. And they'll ask you to leave the venue to take whatever you need to do with your phone for the emergency. But um, you cannot use your phone. Like it is like they make it so it is physically impossible for you to use your phone. You put them in these bags that will not open. Um, once you put them in there, um, of course, like, again, you could, you could sneak your phone out if you wanted to, but if they catch it, they're, you're getting kicked out. So like uh, comedians are doing those, um, and now music is doing it. So yeah, I mean, like, I, I get it, dude. I get it. Yeah. But that is our AEW review of Dynamite and Rampage from this week. And we will go through real quick the preview for next week's Dynamite on the 18th. We're going to see Wardlow get his 10 lashes moment. We'll see how it stacks up with the Cody uh, moment that we had years ago. We're going to have a face-to-face of Chris Jericho and Regal. That is going to be fun to watch. Uh, We're going to have Phoenix versus O'Reilly, Jeff Hardy versus Adam Cole, Samoa Joe versus the Joker, Doctor Britt Baker versus the Joker, and Hangman Adam Page versus uh, Konosuke Takashida with CM Punk on commentary. And I am looking at this match, this this dynamite, and it looks like it'll be a pretty pretty damn it good is dynamite. Loaded,
2: and this is one of the few yeah, times. Yeah, looks like a never, pretty good dynamite. We never have a whole show to talk about on Fridays when we do it. That's a whole show. That's, that's it, is it. I don't. I mean, do you see them adding another segment to that? I don't <laughs> well, know, man, no. honestly. Yeah, that's a lot, they got a lot packed in, so I think that's the full show. We might get one more match or something or a segment, uh, because I imagine they got to deal with the Ricky Starks and Swerve Strickland in a tag team title situation. I'm looking forward to that. But I am really looking forward to that show. That's going to be amazing. We it is literally the last dynamite before we're in Las Vegas. So that's going to be fun. And it's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it going first. And I am looking forward to being in the building. Because I was in the building. Me and Austin were in the building the night CM Punk returned. We are going to be, we are going to complete it. We're going to complete the punk tour. By being in there the night in Las Vegas, where CM Punk wins and vanquishes the Hangman, it's going to be great. You can't deny
1: it. At this point, you can't deny it. And, and if you FTR, do still feel the need to deny it,
2: yeah, yeah, CM Punk's going to wear You're pink and black, and then FTR is going to wear a pink and black, and they're going to come out and all hug, and it's going to be great. Yeah,
1: it's going to be a night, yeah, and we're going to have Bret Hart. Gonna we're going to have Bret Hart present and the title to, to CM, CM Punk. Punk. There you go. Masturbatory yeah, Bret. That Bret Hart debuted the AEW World Title at Double or Nothing when AEW back debuted in 2019, and now he's going to be back to give CM Punk the title when he beats that cowboy coward piece of shit.
2: And then he's going to be the, amazing. He's going to make the masturbation motion at Hangman. Boom, like whatever. Yeah, I hate that guy.
1: But I think I think that's gonna fully do it though. Uh, of uh, for this episode of All Things Elite, of course, the only real he- other he- headline that we have is that this will be the three year anniversary of Double or Nothing taking place in Vegas once again, instead of being at the Daily's place where it was last year. But uh, I am, uh, I I think that'll wrap it up
2: though. The, the, that, don't that, you think, Floyd? That is it. I mean, that's that's it for the show. Um... Yeah, uh thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you're following the at AT Elite A pod Twitter account. I am just I am really gonna yep. try to be more active on it. I I'm I'm gonna do my best. Especially since he's getting responses and retweets <laughs> like motherfucker. Yes. Like Jesus yes. Christ, man, you're getting so many tweets. Yes, and our boy, a friend of the show, Mr. Sam B, put out a tweet that Tony Khan himself replied to. This week, So that was kind of crazy. His tweet, it was like he loved how AEW used the jobber entrance to throw off people in Dan Housing versus Tony Nese. Uh Tony Khan replied and he said, I'm something of a scientist myself. Replied directly to Mr. <laughs> Sandy, whose tweet, as you can imagine, blowed up a blued blowed all the way up. And if make sure you're following at sir underscore Samuel on Twitter, I love this man. Uh, the AEW match guide is like my favorite show. Like one of the shows that one of my weekly listens to, cause it just takes you through the history of AEW. I was actually a guest host on one for young bucks versus FTR. If you want to go ahead and find that episode, but yeah, I just really wanted to give a shout out to our boy, sir, Sam. And again, as we get toast to Forbidden Door, make sure you're listening to uh, Keeping It Strong Style on the show for Suplex. So Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith can get you ready for the Forbidden Door. Uh, me and Austin going to be in attendance. I believe the young Boy's trying to make it happen. I believe there's going to be a crossover show. I believe we'll be able to give more... Uh, details on that i am just looking forward to everything that we have available for the next two months i'm gonna be at aw the, the last of this i have this crazy tour of shows and the last one is visiting my boy austin and his sister sydney in detroit. let's go in detroit because i said i would be at aw this first show in detroit so i am looking forward to that it but i have to go thank y'all for listening I will leave you as I always leave you, whether it is home, work or school, always do your best to be elite.